You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us once again here at Grab Them by the Pot. I'm Kevin, along with Jesse, and we've got some exciting new updates about our show. Well, there's lots of fun stuff going on this week. First of all, we want to give a very special shout-out to a new friend of our podcast. I believe his name is pronounced Sean Hilland. Sorry if that's wrong. Uh, Sean and the Slept in the Government Class podcast, they are uh, our newest a supporter, I guess you'd say, on Patreon, and they're a perfect example of the listeners that we, we have and we love. He's from Georgia. He's not a progressive, but he likes us. He thinks we're smart. He thinks he's, we're fair, and if you say nice things about us, we're going to love you, much like the president, but just kidding. Uh, Sean, you rock. I'm so happy to have him on board. Yes, thank you so much, Sean. And for anybody else out there, Jesse, could you tell them a little bit about what Patreon is? Yeah, you know, Patreon is its the newest thing in all cool podcasts. Now, a lot of different things do it, um, and podcasts are one of those. Uh, if you've listened to other podcasts, you probably know that they exist out there. You can go on there, and if you feel like you want to uh, give us a little support to help us run the show, um, just cover some costs. We would really appreciate it. We have some behind-the-scenes thing, behind things you can get. Um, you can get some T-shirts. Uh, you can kind of affect what's on the show, a couple different levels. And you know, if you can't, that's cool, too. We're just happy that you're listening to the show. But we thought we'd throw it out there, and that can be found at patreon.com slash grab. All right, so that's exciting uh, new news about the show and your ways that you can support us if you're a fan. But we've also got a lot politically to talk about. So, Jesse, what's coming up this time? So we have a couple things that I want to call announcements. They don't necessarily deserve their own segment, but we want to put them out there. First of all, if you guys are really lucky, maybe you're going to get a special episode of us uh, this coming Thursday because tomorrow is Wednesday, and that's when the president has promised to unveil his huge, his terrific uh, tax reform plan, the biggest tax reform plan, biggest tax cut in history. If it's good and it's great and it's wonderful, maybe we won't have a special episode. But if it's anything like the health care reform bill that it put out, we're probably going to need to talk about it. Certainly, that health care reform bill didn't go over too well. There was a lot to discuss. And as you said, if this bill is anything like that, taxes, you know, there's only two certainties in life, death and taxes. We all pay them. <laughs> so it should be interesting to see what comes out of this. Great. And the other thing we wanted to bring up is that today the House Oversight Committee found that former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn likely broke the law by uh, failing to disclose his foreign income to places like Russia and Turkey, although they worded it in such a way that they weren't necessarily saying he was guilty. They were just saying, we, we can't prove that he's innocent, so uh, trying to make it seem a little nicer. So uh, that can be a big deal. The White House is refusing to give some, some documents over to the committee, although today Sean Spicer says that's not true, um, although some of the reporters didn't necessarily buy that. Uh, these violations can be punished with five years in jail, uh, tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, he has to pay back to the United States if these are all found guilty. So we're going to see where this goes. Uh, the committee finds him, I guess, guilty, or they don't pronounce him guilty, but they found that he probably did something wrong. And then uh, next steps are taken elsewhere. Well, Jesse, if I could, I, I've got some personal uh, feelings about the situation with Michael Flynn uh, pertaining mostly to his dealings with the country of Turkey, but I'll get to that in a second. So this is the same person, the same man who said that if you ask for immunity, you must be guilty of something. And so it's looking more and more like he might be guilty of something himself. But according to the Associated Press, Michael Flynn was paid tens of thousands of dollars from Russian organizations after a trip there in 2015, and then $530,000 in consulting fees for a Turkish businessman who was tied to the Turkish government. Now, according to Chad Day at the AP, according to the CIA chief, former CIA chief James Woolsey, 
Michael Flynn's firm, the Flynn Intel Group, had discussions with Turkish officials in September of 2016 regarding the removal of Islamic cleric Fethullah Gulen, who has been living in the United States for roughly the last 10 or 12 years. A nice pronunciation, by the way. Well, the reason for this is that prior to uh, what I do now on this podcast and teaching where I do now, I, I taught in a school that was run by a Turkish-American organization that had loose affiliations with Mr. Gulen. So I am very familiar with this situation, and the government of Turkey, President uh, Recep Erdogan, has accused Mr. Gulen of kind of masterminding the coups that took place there last July, the attempted coup. So this is some very interesting uh, information that's come out, and perhaps Michael Flynn and his organization were in talks with the Turkish government about going around the extradition process to remove Gulen from the United States and extradite him back to Turkey. You may want to worry about... Uh Karma, when you scream, lock her up, lock her up, especially in politics, these things have a way of coming full circle and biting you in the butt. Certainly do, and, and it'll be interesting to watch how this plays out. And the last announcement we want to kind of put out there is that on May 8th, you can find it on their webpage, the uh, Senate Judiciary Subcommittee is holding a hearing on Russian interference in the 2016 the United States election. And they're going to have former acting Attorney General uh, Sally Yates and former Director of National Intelligence James Clapper as the witnesses. That should be interesting. It's going to be run by uh, Lindsey Graham. Uh, the subcommittee hearings sometimes don't get the press as the other ones, but something tells me this is one's going to be going to be talked about a little bit. I bet it will. So... We've got that going on. We also have uh, what we talked about on last week's show uh, that we didn't have the results for by the end of our show, the election down in the 6th Congressional District of Georgia. It was kind of left as a to be continued dot, 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 come back next week. Um, when we left it, we were saying John Ossoff needed 50 percent or more than 50 percent uh, to win outright. He ended up with 48.1 percent right around where he was polling. So it wasn't necessarily a big uh, surprise. He's going to be facing Karen Handel uh, in June in the runoff, which I think it's hilarious that we're going to talk about a little later on uh, France. They're having their presidential election, which is very similar to this, in a much shorter time frame than we're having this one congressional election. It's taking forever to get this done. But it turns out. According to some of the uh, analysis, one in five Republicans voted for Ossoff. Trump and Spicer are out there saying, oh, it's a loss. The Democrats lost. They said it over and over again because you know they didn't get their number one objective. But Ossoff is still in the race. He hasn't lost yet. If in June he loses, then they'll have lost. You know, it, it's not the optimal uh, situation that Ossoff wanted, but it's far from over. Well, as we've said before, we've talked a lot about John Ossoff, that, you know, he's this young political newcomer who has some experience working behind the scenes in politics, but he's been campaigning relentlessly. He's been using uh, the Internet for fundraising, reminiscent of Barack Obama and his use of the Internet and all the fundraising he did uh, 10 year, almost 10 years ago. But we've talked a lot about Mr. Ossoff. It's only fair that we give a little bit of information about Handel. Handel is the former Georgia Secretary of State whose stances on social issues might be a bit of a concern to the more progressive types down there in Georgia, uh, particularly her stance against the Susan G. Komen Foundation and their funding of breast cancer screenings through Planned Parenthood, which she is in favor of cutting back because of their support of, a, of their practicing of abortions. The interesting factor here is that Ms. Handel was previously the senior vice president for policy at the Susan G. Komen Foundation. So she kind of goes <laughs> against uh, the former money tree. Well, you go wherever the political winds bring you. This is interesting because if she was against, say, abortion, say she was pro-life, well, that's not uncommon for Southern Republicans. So I wouldn't necessarily blink an eye at that. But to be saying I'm against breast cancer research, it doesn't matter whether you're north, south, east or west. You get, women can get breast cancer. Men can get breast cancer no matter where you are. 
So to, to be against that, it's just – it seems ridiculous. Uh, just to, to get at something that's loosely affiliated with them to cut off funding, it's, I think that's not going to help her. <laughs> no, and it further, it further proves that the Planned Parenthood does more than just provide abortions. No, no, no. That's all they do. That's all you want to hear is that they do abortions. Um, yeah. Oh, well. So we're going to keep an eye on this. We have a few weeks left. God, we have about, what, five, six weeks left till this is all taken care of. So we have some time. I'm sure it'll still be in the news, although I don't know if we'll end up talking about it till then. We'll have to wait and see. But as we always say, it's been another week in politics, another week between podcasts. So it's another week of Trump tweets. And this week, I think Trump, I, I seriously think he may have forgotten he was tweeting. Um, a couple of days ago, he was tweeting about the wall. Uh, as as he is known to do, and he uh, had a couple sentences, and then started another sentence with if, and then you kind of have the dot, 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 as he always does, saying, you know, there'll be another section coming later. And uh, then he took a nap. <laughs> he took a nap. Uh, two hours later, he tweeted a congratulations to the astronaut in space, because she's now the long, I can't remember her name right now, but she's the longest person to have consecutive days in space. And then an hour after that, he finishes his thought on the wall. I mean, that's just bizarre. He usually takes like 10 minutes between these tweets, which I think is bizarre in of itself. But three hours between tweets to finish your thought. What I mean, maybe maybe he's an important guy. Things came up, but I don't know what's going on there. Seems interesting that it would take that long. You know, who knows what's going on inside the head of our president. But uh, nonetheless, the wall. Well, we, we've got our opinions about that, as does uh, the president. So uh, we agree to disagree. Yeah, and, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on when the spending bill comes up. It's going to be interesting uh, how this is all handled. He also talked about how new, new polls are out today that are very good considering that the media is fake and always almost always negative. Uh, he would still beat Hillary in the popular vote. Now, as I'm reading that, you know, it's, it's normal blustery gears. I'm like, wait a second. He would still beat her? In the popular vote, he didn't beat her in the popular vote. He lost by almost three million votes, and yet, yeah, he won the electoral college. That's all that matters. He's president, so why? I, I know it's a it hurts his ego that he did him in the popular vote. I know he's swearing they're shipping people into New Hampshire, or whatever. But he's just flat out lying. It's not like a half truth. It's a flat out lie that the president is tweeting out there. It, it's it's ridiculous. Right. Truth is, Hillary Clinton won by two point one percent which only Andrew Jackson in 1824 and Samuel Tilden in the election of 1876 won by larger percentages without actually claiming the White House. So Donald Trump did not win the popular vote. And how he can come off saying this is beyond me. But again, this is not the first time he said something uh, of this sort. And what it does is it gives people, especially his supporters, the impression that he is better than he really is. And that's how this man kind of lives and dies, by giving off the impression that he is greater than he is. When George W. Bush won, he didn't run around saying that he won the popular vote. He lost the popular vote. It was closer, obviously. But but he, he didn't you know, he's president. He didn't need to talk about it. Once he was elected, that's it. He's president. No more need to babble on about it. But these little things just eat at his ego and he has to keep bringing it up when it makes no sense to do so. Yeah, it's it's sad, but true. And in the last we want to talk about, over the weekend, it was Earth Day, so a lot of people were talking about the future of the Earth, pollution, all this stuff, and the president sent lots of tweets out. One of them was saying how, you know, keeping the air and water clean uh, is very important. Remember, economic growth enhances environmental protection, jobs matter, blah, 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 blah. He's tweeting about how great the environment is and how much he loves it, but between his executive uh, orders on coal, him wanting to cut the EPA, he, he doesn't seem too big on the environment, Yet he's, but again, he's contradicting himself. Why are we surprised? He says that jobs matter, but if those jobs are in coal or some other polluting uh, field of work, then how can he be for the earth? 
Yeah, you know, he's only for the section of the Earth that he lives on, which is a big gold tower in New York City usually. So uh, I'm sure he can survive fine in there uh, as the apocalypse happens outside. But the air. The air up there is rare. Is that how it goes? <laughs> I mean, he's he's going to be sending out an executive order, uh, I think probably tomorrow, where he's trying to pull back uh, some land in Utah that Obama deemed was a national monument. I, it's apparently from what I read, I only briefly skimmed it, uh, that the executive order can't necessarily take away a monument, but he's, he's looking at ways to do so because you've know, you got to drill more for oil, do all this stuff. He, he just doesn't care about any of this land that's put aside to conserve. More importantly, aside from just being a national monument, the Obama administration proclaimed this a national monument. It's the Bears Ears National Monument out in Utah. It's 1.35 million acres, which is preserved due to its Native American heritage. So much like in the Dakota Access Pipeline, the president is showing that he cares little for, you know, the sacred land of our Native American uh, brethren and more importantly, what does he want to do with the land? Does he does he want to pollute and destroy the land that he's trying to uh, get deregulated? Someone should tell him to remember that my favorite president, a Republican, is the person who created the National Park Service. Who is that? That'd be Theodore Roosevelt. Good old TR. Uh, so it, a Republican started this. Why can't a Republican keep it going? You know, he liked to go hunting and do things, but he wanted to preserve it so it was there so to do these things. It, once you start cutting up all this land, it's, it's, it'll be, once it's gone, it's gone. <sighs> Times have changed since then uh, between these two parties. Yeah, yeah. I'll even take the bull moose party over, over Trump, I think. The progressive uh, <laughs> party. Um, so... This week, we have the possibility of a shutdown by the end of the week. Uh, government needs to be funded by Friday. Uh, Congress has to agree on a spending bill uh, to avoid the shutdown. So this happened in 2013. It lasted uh, 16 days and ended up costing about – or took about $24 billion out of the economy. Although, funny story, uh, when this happened, I was still working in Washington, D.C., and it was my biggest day of the year. I had like 100 uh, doctors coming in to lobby Capitol Hill, and I was freaking like, oh, my God, what, what, no, no one's going to be open. turns out most of the congressional offices were open. They just kind of closed their front door and turned the lights off, so no one knew they were actually you – know, to make a point. What does shut down is what's considered non-essential um, services. So some federal agencies, members of Congress, uh, national parks, 40% of all non-defense employees get to sit home. And the key for a long time that was holding this up uh, was the border wall. Trump wanted to be funded uh, through the spending bill, and Democrats obviously did not. Uh, but on Monday, Donald Trump, the closer, the guy who always gets it done, kind of pulled back and said, you know what, we can maybe look in September at this, but uh, we still don't have anything on the book, so there could be a government shutdown. So now twice within the first 100 days of the Trump presidency, we're closing in on 100 days, he has not been able to close a deal. This man, the art of the deal, Donald mm. Trump, has not been able to close the deal on repealing the Affordable Care Act, and here again with his border wall, he's threatening government shutdown if he can't get it done the way he wants to do. And what does this say about the man who sold us this bill of goods about being the deal maker and the closer to get himself elected? And it's good that he took the border bill off the table because of the border wall off the table, because this thing is going to cost a lot of money. Uh, there's going to be debate on this, and to hold the government hostage to get your little pet project through, uh, you know, that's not something good. And it's funny, I've been reading a lot of people saying lately, a lot of his supporters are saying, we know, we never actually thought he was going to build this wall. You know, it's more of a metaphor. You know, it's, it's not just a place, it's a state of mind, the border wall, uh, which, yeah, I don't know, none of the border states want it. Texas, Texans, they don't want it. It's the people who, who live a little further away, and uh, Mexico's not going to 
pay for it, even though Trump this week, he's already going back. He tweeted out saying, you know, eventually, but at a later date so we can get it started earlier, then Mexico will be paying in some form for this wall. So he's saying, you know, I promise you, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but sometime soon Mexico will be paying for it in some form. And exactly how does he intend to do this? See, America needs Mexico for its economy. It needs Mexican labor. According to the office of the U.S. Trade Representative, Okay, Mexico is our third largest trade partner. And as of 2015, there was $531 billion in total two-way trade, $236 billion of that in exports to Mexico. So in addition to needing their labor, we also need them as a market. So trade restrictions are not going to work here. We need Mexico. We need the Mexican labor force. We need Mexico's economy. That's not going to work in making them forcing the Mexican people to pay for this wall. For anybody out there without a job complaining they can't find a job, I understand it sucks. There are actually plenty of jobs out there for you. You just don't want to do them. And guess what? I don't want to do them either. These are the jobs that are hard, grueling. You're in the sun all day. And that's where these people, whether they're uh, illegal, illegal immigrants or uh, – I don't know I'm supposed to use that term anymore. But illegal immigrants, um, they're overstayed visas or whether they're just here legally. These are the jobs that a lot of these Mexican citizens are doing. And uh, you know we don't want them here. But you don't want to do the jobs that, that someone needs to do. It, it makes no sense. You know, I mentioned the art of the deal a minute ago, and I, I've got a quote from it, Jesse. I'd really like to get out there, okay, it. because it kind of speaks to, uh, <laughs> you know, not being able to get the ACA repeal done, not being able to get the wall deal done. He said, and I quote, you can't con people, at least not for long. You can create excitement. You can do wonderful promotion and get all kinds of press, and you can throw in a little hyperbole. But if you don't deliver the goods, people will eventually catch on. People are going to catch on. As you said, it's not even been 100 days, and we're pretty much there. And it's easier to do, I guess, in business when uh, you do your business deal, you can go run and hide in the tower. But when you're president, uh, yeah, that stuff does not fly. Um, with all this garbage, though, I think they're going to end up uh, getting something passed by the end of this week. At this point, there's no real reason not to, uh, unless just some one side's being stupid. You know, I mean, they're going to have things to disagree with, but the border wall was the real big part. So they'll come to some agreement, um, you know, maybe kick the can down the road a little bit, but I don't think the government is going to shut down. If it does, I don't think it's going to be uh, for that long. Well, the problem with this, Jess, is that we can't keep playing this game, the schoolyard game of I'm mm-hmm. taking my ball and going home. This is bigger than that. This is the American people. This is our country. And you are shutting it down intentionally to prove a political point. That is not fair. That is not okay. Well, just think you're in your John Q. Public and Jane Q. Public, and you've been waiting all year. You've been saving your money to bring you and your kids on a trip to the Grand Canyon. You get on a flight, and uh, United drags you off there and smashes your head in the ground. Finally, you get to the Grand Canyon, and guess what? Sorry, we're closed because the government shut down. You can't come in there. And, you know, it sounds silly, and we're joking around, but that's true. There are, I mean, I, when this happened last time, a veteran was freaking out because they wouldn't let him into the World War II monument. It's, it's these things we take for granted that are always there that, uh, when you wait, take your time, your money, and your emotions, depending on what these uh, monuments are, and suddenly they say, sorry, you can't go there, that, that's no joke to some people. Absolutely not. We deserve better. We do. Um, so once we get this done, uh, and once we get the tax reform out there to see what's going on, then we're going to have 
Guess what? The healthcare reform, it may be back. Guess who's back? Healthcare's back. Um, although it may not be coming as soon as we thought. Uh, last week, there was some rumblings that it might pop in this week. The new version is just as bad as the old. Sure, you know, it reinstates coverage for pre-existing conditions and essential health benefits, but it just lets states get waivers pretty easily, so it screws people just the same. Now, meet the new boss. Meet the new boss, excuse me. <laughs> same as the old boss. It, this is no better. And because the Republican Party is so fractured right now, Freedom Caucus, moderates, uh, hard right conservatives, the minute you take something away to try to appease somebody else, you're going to anger the other group. It, it's, it's not going to get done, at, at least I don't think anytime soon. No, I think today, I think it was today or yesterday, uh, Sean Spicer said, uh, when are we going to vote on it? When we have the votes. So there's no timetable. It could be from here to eternity. There's going to be a major uh, overhaul needed. I mean, if you look at what the public is thinking right now, and these are, I'm sure, fake news and fake polls, um, but a recent ABC Washington Post poll found that 61% of the Americans want the ACA fixed instead of repealed and replaced. That's what we've been saying from the beginning. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You take the good parts, you leave it there, and then you fix the parts that don't work. Makes perfect sense. That, that's that's exactly it. <laughs> right, Of course. But, you know, if this is what the American people want, Congress, wake up. Listen to the American people. That is your job. Yeah, and, and another poll by NBC and uh, Wall Street Journal said that 50 percent of people have very little or no confidence in the GOP health care plan uh, and that it would improve their situation. So, again, I mean, the Democrats shouldn't get all you know happy and dancing either because their poll numbers aren't looking so great either. No, no, none of the, nobody's looking good. Uh, but the people who have spoken, members of Congress have spoken because the people have spoken. They've gotten yelled at at these town meetings when they go home on break. Uh, this health care bill is not good, and people are afraid. They're more afraid now. I think they've been in a long, long time. So scrap this health care bill. But what worries me, though, is that Trump looks at, the, at his ratings. When he talks about health care, his ratings go down. When he blows things up, they go up. So I'm afraid he's going to start blowing things up again. Right. You know, when he comes to take something away, nobody wants to, to deal with him. You know, everybody's against that. But, you know, he blows something up in a foreign land and we can chant USA, USA. <laughs> that makes us feel good. So, of course, the ratings are going to go up. But people look at what's going on. Pay attention, people. And it's, it's as important now as it's ever been to pay attention for the people to pay attention. A lot of peas going on there. Sorry if I'm popping the mic. But uh, we have to pay attention and watch what's going on and keep these people and uh, held accountable to what they're doing. So um, yeah. speaking of people taking <laughs> flack for the Affordable Care Act, how yeah. about Jason Chaffetz? Yeah, J Jason, it's, it's very normal when a, uh, a young uh, congressman who has uh, del you know, delusions of grandeur who's going to go places suddenly decides he wants to retire nine years into his uh, congressional career. It's weird. Uh, Jason Chaffetz, who's the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, announced that he's not going to be running for election in 2018. He's not going to be running for governor. He's not going to be running for Senate. Uh, he may not even finish out his own term. He's out of there. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, it's been talked to death uh, about uh, by lots of people over the last week or so. Uh, who knows what's going on? This is the guy who you know, got his rocks off investigating Hillary. He was going to keep investigating Hillary whether she won or lost. Didn't really feel the need to look into any of the problems with Trump until people started really pushing it. And he said things like, I, I can't vote for Trump. After Trump made his, uh, I guess, a statement that gave us our name, uh, he said, you know, I can't vote for Trump. I can't support Trump and, and look my daughter in the face. Yet he still voted for him. It's a mess. He, he said recently that Americans have to choose between that new iPhone and getting health care. He's demeaning to people, and, and he's heard it in his town halls, as we mentioned a few minutes ago. So do you think it's just that he doesn't want to get yelled at, or do you think there's something else going on here? Well, I think it's a couple of things. 
for one, you know, as Paul Ryan said not that long ago, it's much easier to be the party of opposition than to be the party that governs. And so it's much easier to conduct government oversight from his committee when you're out to get somebody, when you're the opposition. Mm -hmm. When it's in your own party, you tend to look the other way on a lot of things. So that kind of takes away some of the importance of your job. But I think also, Jesse, he was starting to see some competition back home in his district. It's a solidly Republican district out there in Utah. But he has an upstart challenger, Dr. Catherine Allen, the Democrat who has raised about $400,000 more than Chaffetz this year, according to the Salt Lake Tribune. And also from within his own party, he was going to be facing a primary challenger in Damian Kidd, a lawyer who has accused him of being more about himself than the district. And he's been criticized in the past for being too opportunistic, like his face was always there when a camera was present. Uh, he was always quick uh, to get uh, his thoughts out there on TV. So perhaps there was something bigger than just he's tired of the daily grind in Congress. Perhaps he was feeling a little bit of the heat chasing his tails. And let's not forget that Evan McMullen, who uh, ran for president as an independent uh, in this last go around, he's also from from Utah. And there was talk about him maybe uh, just just to stick it to him because he's been pretty anti-Trump this whole time. Mitt Romney, there's talk about him coming back and running for Senate in the state. Although I guess uh, Orrin Hatch has said he plans on running again. I don't know. I don't know why these guys want to be there till they drop dead. Just retire, Orrin. Um, you can go home and write more songs. Within it'll be fun. Um, just you know, going back to one of the older episodes, I, I did write a paper on right wing and song singing senator from Utah. <laughs> so we'll keep an eye on what's going here. I mean, Chaffetz is a partisan hack, and they, they exist on all sides—a Republican, Democrat, in between. But uh, you know, he he doesn't have Hillary to kick around for four years as president. So what's the point of sticking around? It's no fun when you have to bring down your own side eventually, most likely. You know, it's all of a sudden when you get what you want, what do you do with it? It's like at the end of uh, Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory. Be careful. You know what happened to the boy who got everything he ever wanted? He lived happily ever after. That's not real life, man. Sometimes you get get what you want and it's too much for you. You're not prepared. So, Absolutely. Now, this next piece of news, okay, I'm, I'm going to preface it very oddly. I think this is really good news, for me at least. I'm very happy for this news. Uh, Trump said he won't fire Sean Spicer because the dude gets ratings. The guy gets ratings. Uh, this all came from a small working lunch at the White House last month, and you know, people kind of brought up that uh, Spicy's screwing up a little bit. He's getting some flack. Melissa McCarthy's playing him on on TV, and it's you know, is he is he going to be around? He goes, I'm not firing Sean Spicer. That guy gets ratings. Everyone tunes, and he basically says it's it's bigger than soap operas. And you know, I watch my spicy every day. I'm I'm happy sticking around. Well, two things here. One, the concerning thing that President Trump thinks he's still on The Apprentice and he's concerned about television ratings, and two. Let's look at why Sean Spicer is getting those ratings. Are people really tuning in because they want to know what the next piece of political information coming out of the White House is? Or are they waiting to see his head explode? I'm pretty disappointed when I tune in and he doesn't freak out or something doesn't go wrong. It's just, it's just a normal press conference. That's not cool. It's a dangerous precedent to start uh, when you keep guys around not because they're good at their job but because people want to watch a train wreck. A lot of people like seeing things going poorly. It doesn't mean uh, they're doing a good job. So – I don't want Spicy to leave, but it may be a time at, at some point in the future, whether people are watching or not. I mean, the television news gets ratings because of sex, drugs, and violence. But is that what we want for our country? Well, if you're uh, Donald Trump and the host of The Apprentice, yes, that's exactly what we want. 
a couple more things here as we start to wind down a little bit. Uh, last week, our good old boy, the good old boy Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to do it that way, but it, he is a good old boy. Uh, Jeff Sessions, our attorney general, is back in the news. Last week, Sessions criticized a federal judge's ruling in Hawaii that blocked the administration's immigration ban they've been trying to do since day one. It's not going to happen. He, uh, he said uh, about the judge that he was amazed a judge sitting on an island in the Pacific could block the ban. Like, yes, I guess everything he said is factual. Uh, Hawaii is an island in the Pacific. Uh, but if you look at the tone of the insinuation, it's like somehow Hawaii isn't equal to the rest of the country. I mean, he wouldn't say some guy sitting in Scranton or something isn't isn't worth it. And it pissed off a lot of Hawaiians. Well, and rightfully so, you know, some island in the Pacific, you know, that same one that got bombed and brought us into World War Two, you know, the same one where over a thousand men are entombed on a ship that sank in mm-hmm. Pearl Harbor. Yeah, some island sitting in the Pacific. I'm not even from Hawaii, and I'm offended by this. It's one of our 50 states. The attorney general's office attempted to clarify this. They put out a statement. Hawaii is, in fact, an island in the Pacific, a beautiful one, where the attorney general's granddaughter was born. Are we checking her birth certificate? Of course not. Session says no one has any sense of, sense of humor anymore. What's because you insert about- racist <laughs> joke here? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm not racist, but no, it, it's. It's not funny because he's joking about things like specific Americans from specific areas with specific backgrounds aren't equal. And, uh, you know, things like separation of powers, which is what our government is founded on, that he doesn't think uh, because, you know, I think we're right, so therefore it should pass. No. If these uh, members of the judicial branch think that what the president is doing is illegal, well, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Sorry. Well, Jeff Sessions claims that his real problem is that one judge, how can one person, one judge block presidential action which aims to make the whole country safer? Well, that's how our judicial process works. The, the judicial branch is a check on the executive branch, and that's exactly how it was designed to work. And it have been a founding father if he wanted it differently. It's his fault. Exactly. Read a history book. Now – the other concern here is that this is a, a running theme in the Trump administration. Donald Trump himself questioned U.S. District Judge Gonzalo Curiel because he <laughs> believes that his Mexican heritage is a conflict of interest in him presiding over any cases involving the border wall and immigration policy. So, you know, this is something that is not just Jeff Sessions. It goes all the way up to the top with Donald Trump. And is that fair to the American people that they are going to have uh, prejudice in the way they believe the law should be carried out? Things are a coincidence when they happen over and over and over again. I I know Trump and Sessions aren't the same person, but they're in the same administration. And when the same administration keeps kind of poking at judges in the same way due to their background and where they're from, it's just – it's not a good look. And, you know, maybe Jeff Sessions – I was say maybe Jeff Sessions isn't racist and, you know, I don't know him. I only know some of the things that he's said in the past and reasons why he hasn't been, you know, judged in the past and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, giving him the benefit of the doubt, it's still a really dumb thing to say. Uh, You know, you shouldn't joke about things, especially when you're in an administration that's under this much scrutiny. If you've ever called a staff member who was African-American boy, you're probably a racist. Uh, the last thing uh, we had to talk about here, and we'll probably just talk about it very briefly because there's a lot of people out there who can say a lot more about this uh, and a lot more in-depth discussion on it than we can. This weekend, we had the French elections. France, as we mentioned, has a process much like what's happening in Georgia 6. There was a runoff between a whole bunch of people, and then it broke down to just two, and then it's going to go on on May 7th. So the two people who are left are centrist Emmanuel Macron, I believe is how you say his name, and then far-right leader uh, Marine Le Pen, and they're going to face each other uh, in a couple weeks. Pretty much immediately, all of the other major candidates went behind 
Macron because uh, Le Pen is crazy, or she comes from a crazy background. I don't, I don't want to say negative things to her, but she's part of a party that her father kind of started. Uh, that was anti, she's anti-EU, anti-immigration. Her father was a known anti-Semite and uh, xenophobe. Uh, she's kind of, I, I want to say almost the French Trump to the extreme. Oddly enough, she looks like Hillary, talks like Trump. As you said, she's France's version of Donald Trump. Uh, it's as if you morphed you know, the body of Hillary Clinton and the <laughs> ideas of Donald Trump into one person. It's pantsuits plus prejudice equals Marine Le Pen. Uh, but European xenophobia has had pretty disastrous effects in the past. So the idea that someone uh, of this uh, ilk would get this close to being elected president of France is is dangerous. It, it kind of concerns me from outside of the country. I can only imagine if I was living in, in France. But yeah, this uh, this election, it, it's the oddities of politics, these runoffs and, and pluralities, yeah. etc. And if she's elected, it's pretty much goodbye uh, EU. It's kaput. Uh, the good news is, though, that with everybody kind of coming around uh, Macron, Macron, whatever the hell, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm bad at saying these French names, uh, he has about a 20 plus point lead right now. And this isn't a situation where, like we saw in our in our election, that the the polls were off. Trump won. Like, you know, the, the the polls were like plus or minus three or something with Trump. So Trump winning was in the margin of error. Uh, this is not going to happen here. Uh, Le Pen is she actually underperformed? Uh, she was actually closer to the fourth place uh, vote winner than she was to the first place vote winner. So uh, I don't want to jinx anything. So there's a very good chance she will not win. But I guess never say never. One. Ever knows we've we've learned the lesson the hard way. This is a wacky, wacky world we live in. All right, I'm pretty worked up after all that stuff. Can you uh, come me down with a little Kevin's Corner, please? You got it, Jesse. We mentioned earlier the possibility of government shutdown over the proposed federal budget earlier on the show. We have been down this road before a number of times. It seems this is the new normal for our government. Threatening to shut down our government over partisan differences is the epitome of failure. We deserve better than to lose billions of dollars in our economy because our elected representatives refuse to seek meaningful compromise. This behavior is our nation's cry for increased civic participation. We owe it to this beautiful country to stand up to our leadership, to demand better, to demand they stop holding us hostage. Darn tootin'. Well, that brings us to the end of another... I, I want to say action-packed episode, but it just manages talking about the sad stuff that's happening in this world. You, know, you guys can go to our website, as always, www.grabthembythepod.com. All of our links are there, whether it's the social media to uh, where you can find us. Uh, you know, go there, love us, it'll be great. And again, you go to patreon.com slash grab, where one of the levels of uh, being a, a supporter is to get your own, uh, I guess, supporter-only Kevin's Corner. So if Kevin's Corner is your favorite part of the show, which a very good friend of mine was telling me, yeah, I, I love Kevin when he does Kevin's Corner. And I'm like, thanks a lot, Michelle, for the support. But no, uh, so she may be a supporter of that pretty soon. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff there. Go there and... Uh, after you do that stuff, uh, I guess we'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much, Kevin. See you then. Later. Later.